the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, including the investments and or investment strategies recommended and or purchased by advisor or product made reference to directly or indirectly will be profitable. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will either be suitable or profitable for a client's investment portfolio. No client or prospective client should assume that any information presented serves as the receipt of or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other investment professional. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, welcome back. Wow. It's been an interesting few days, to say the least. (laughs) Hey, and check this out. Okay, you got people raiding the White House. I mean, coming in, attacking everything that this country stands for. And the stock market goes up. All-time new high. Now, you know what that points me back to? Everything I've been saying since I started on this program in 1996. (laughs) Whatever you think may happen, you need to just take that with a grain of salt because the market is unpredictable, especially the shorter of a time period that you get. Now, if you were to ask me where the market would be 10 years from now, I would say probably higher. It's probably going to be higher 10 years from now. Where's it going to be next year? Have no idea. Don't need to know that, by the way. And that's what you uh, need to get. Most people need to come to get grips with. You cannot know what's going to happen over the next one, two, three, even up to five years. I've mentioned this study a million times on this show. Well, maybe not a million, but at least a few thousand. And they did this study to uh, the correlation between earnings growth, that's profit growth, okay, and share price appreciation. Now, most people would think that profits go up, share price goes up. Well, Sometimes when you're looking out over five year time periods, the number of stocks whose share prices kept up with the increase in profits was 30%. You know what that means? It'd have been better off flipping a quarter. (laughs) You got three out of 10. Now over a 10 year time period, it was the opposite was 70%. So what does that tell you? It tells you that you should be, you know, everybody says this all the time. You should be a long-term investor. And yes, you should be a long-term investor. 
especially if you're going to be investing in stocks. So, and here's here's a little exercise. Another thing I've I've always said that people should do, but they won't. Why? Because it's actually a lot of effort. But read the news, just the headlines, and write down what you think should happen the next day in the stock market. Now, if you do that for six months, I promise you, you will stop doing it. <laughs> You're going to look at how abysmal your track record is of predicting the market in the short run, and you're going to stop. You'll actually stop. So, and I did that for years. That's one of the reasons people, what what do you think is going to happen in the stock market? Well, I think they're going to go up, and I think they're going to go down. (laughs) I can't tell you exactly which order it's going to be, but I I, I do know that they will move uh, in which direction. Your guess is as good as anybody's over over a short time period. And uh, that's, you know, here's the big risk, though. If you're above the age of 50, okay, and you're looking to retire within the next 10 to 15 years, or let's say you're already retired, and you've got a lot of money and it's in the stock market, okay, and you're pulling out more than 4% a year, 4 to 5%, somewhere in that range, okay, now you could have a big problem because of your age, you may not be able to make back any big losses that might occur in the stock market, particularly if you're taking money out. That's a problem. That's a really big problem. I know a lot of younger people who don't want to take, they don't want to see their portfolio get cut in half. Well, there's actually, there's some solutions for you guys now. In fact, I've studied harder in the last two years than I've had to study for a very long time. It's not the hardest I've ever had to study. It's just uh, the 15 years prior to that, I really didn't have to study nearly as much because I'd studied so much earlier. But about five, six years ago, things really started changing, like a lot. And we'll talk about what those changes are later in today's program. I'm just telling you, it's changed. It's It's not all bad, by the way. A lot of the change has been pretty good. Actually, a lot of it's been very good. So, But it is changed. Things do not work the same way they did 10 years ago. They are very different. And one of the big differences I keep coming back to is, uh, you know, we were talking about forever, and now it seems like forever. It's actually only been a little bit less than a year. But the uh, fixed indexed annuities, I think, you know, I, I wouldn't touch those with a 10-foot pole four or five years ago. But four or five years ago, I could buy a high-yield bond fund with a 6% interest rate. I could get a short-term bond fund with a 35 to 4% interest rate, high-quality uh, corporate bonds. Can't do that anymore. Times change. So, And I hope I never get to the point where I refuse to change my mind. You, you know people that do that? Have you seen people? If you've been uh, raised in a family, if you're not an orphan, you've probably seen <laughs> you've probably seen that. People would say, yep, that's it. I'm never changing again. And, uh, you know, I feel bad for them, especially today, because things do change really quickly. I've been driving. I, I drove my, I, by the way, I kill my cars. Um, I, this one, I, I kind of set a little record with. I put 93,000 miles in less than three years. Um, that's a lot for a guy who spends a lot of time in town <laughs> in around here. So the, uh, transmission started whining and I'm going, uh oh. <laughs> I bought that extended warranty, but it only goes to 75,000 miles. So anyway, I got this new car. It was, it had six miles on it. I already have 700 miles on it, by the way. <laughs> That's in about a week. <laughs> yeah. 
So, uh, but it was a 2020, was in the showroom, had never sold. And it has this really strange color. I'm pretty sure that's why it was, uh, they're giving such a good deal on it. <laughs> Looks like a big prune. <laughs> but I really like the color, actually. I'm just, I'm just making fun of it. Uh, cause it's really cool. And, uh, man, I got a phenomenal deal. I mean, I've, I've, I don't think I've ever gotten quite as a good deal as I had on this one. And, uh, luck. You know, I, I showed up the day they took it off the showroom floor and, uh, it's our, it's a 220. It's not a 221. So, uh, all kinds of things going in my favor. And, uh, boy, that was really lucky. <laughs> I just feel so lucky. Yeah, but anyway, it's a GM, by the way. And, um, kind of interesting. Having said that, the uh, you didn't have you real, realized that there's been a big rotation that's been going on in the stock market over the past five six years. The only thing that's ever that's actually made made a lot of money uh, is large cap technology, and you take that out of the S and P five hundred, and that thing is sucking wind. I mean, it is the uh, without that category, it, it has gone almost nowhere. And all the other categories that aren't overweight in large cap tech, the way the S&P 500 is, have been lagging big time. Well, that changed just a few weeks ago. Don't know how long that's going to last. I am very glad to see it because, I mean, these other categories are catching up. People are noticing. Talk to clients going, hey, you know, what's happening? I'm like, "Uh, well, you know, that big turn that we're always hoping. And typically it's between value and growth. Value stocks are considered stocks that are undervalued. Growth stocks are like, you know, Google, um, Amazon. They're growing really fast and mostly technology-based. They tend to have higher valuations. Well, those stocks have been the leaders for the past five years, uh, six years, actually. And the others just struggling, you know, straggling along. So now that they're actually catching up, that's that's a great thing. Big relief. Uh, That's one of the reasons you want to have a diversified you know, portfolio, just the the same way you could not predict that a basically an attack, a civil uprising against the White House would lead to a stock market rally. Really? I mean, come on, really? <laughs> Who anticipated that? Nobody I know, and uh, and that's and that's kind of my point. You just don't know. You don't know how long one group is going to stay ahead of the others. You just don't. And when the others start to catch up, that's a great thing. But it sure is painful when you when you have a truly diversified portfolio. That means you've got large cap, mid cap, small cap, some international emerging market, and they're not all going to do the same at the same time. It doesn't work that way. In effect, the, the dominant index is all the past six years has been the S&P 500, which you take off the top 50 stocks and returns drop like a rock, like the rest of them. Okay. So anyway, it's good to see that they're actually starting to participate. There's been some rotation. That's a good thing. I'll tell you what else is a good thing. They, the fixed index annuity, since I started talking about that first, the, um, the guaranteed interest. I, and again, I wouldn't be, if you could get a 5% CD, I, there would be no need to talk about these 5% CDs don't exist. And probably aren't coming back for an extremely long time period. I don't know that I'll I'll see that again. No, I I can be wrong. But when you've got trillions of dollars worth of debt, I mean, think about it. If you were in charge of the debt, and you were in charge of the interest rates, and you were allowed to set your own interest rate, would you volunteer to pay 
four or five times what you could get away with paying? I don't know. I don't I don't know that anybody is that bold. Now, that would take an incredible amount of guts, and, and it would be really bad for the economy. Watch what happens. You set these short-term interest rates at 5%, so CDs would probably be paying 6 That big sucking sound you hear would be the wind coming out of the economy. Go back up to a 7.5 or actually an 8 or 9% mortgage because you're paying 6% on CDs. Watch what happens to housing. Watch what happens to financial services when people stop getting loans, when the loans, the loan growth slows down dramatically because the interest rates now will actually make some people ineligible for the payment. They won't have enough cash flow. So that's why I'm saying I, I just can't imagine that happening, but that's, that's not the, it's not the end of the world. You've got really good options. And if, if you'd like to know more about those, actually, um, there's a website that's been put up. You can go in and kind of see, put your age in there, put your name, how much uh, in income you're looking for. It'll tell you how much in cash you'd need to invest. Or you could put the cash amount, the cash amount that you have to invest, and it'll tell you how much in income you could expect to receive. So I think it's a, it's a really good idea for today, given the current environment and looking out over the next 10 years. So I think 10 to 20 years. Normally I say five to 10, but you know, actually we're just about to surpass the highest debt level that we've ever had in the country relative to the economy. That level was set in 1945 and it was caused by World War II. Okay. This is the causes for these are a lot different. Absolutely a lot different, but, and I'm not, we're not nearly as, um, inexperienced today as we were back then because they did go ahead and start printing more money, circulating it, and they raised interest rates at the same time. So I'm not sure that that's going to happen again. I'm, I'm pretty sure it probably won't if you listen to what the Fed has to say about all that stuff. But the good news is you've got alternatives. You have alternatives to getting a 1% or less CD. You know, if you, by the way, if you hear anything on the show that you'd like to know more about, you can always go to my website. It's BillingtonCapital.com. There's a little contact us form there. If you fill it out and then type your question in, by the way, because oftentimes I get uh, somebody that says I'm interested in something, but they don't tell me what it is. <laughs> That's going to slow down the process, by the way. The uh, But I would be more than happy to discuss this with you. Um, you want to get a retirement income strategy in place. I think now's a, a great time. I think you've got some really good options out there, despite the fact that interest rates are so low. There's some really good options. I think you still need some money set back into stocks because, you know, if you're, if you're below the age of 80, you know, you, your life expectancy, uh, you're going to, you're going to experience some inflation there and you need some help to try to keep up with inflation on top of the income that you're taking out. And so, and everybody's different. I mean, everybody's different. You know, you might invest in the same things, but different percentages. Like a lot of people I know would have the same things I have, just maybe slightly less. Almost nobody slightly more because I'm pretty confident and I have about 80% of my money allocated to stocks. So, but that's me. 
And I understand if I'm down 30 or 40%, I'm not upset. I just think of it as another opportunity and glad I'm not retired. <laughs> At least not yet. But, uh, and by the way, if you'd like to call in today and ask a question, 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. And uh, I'm just here to tell you that, man, as, as dark as things seem, there's a silver lining and it's pretty good. You've got options. We've got alternatives. I hear the music. That means I have to take a real quick commercial break. This is Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Hold it all together. Everybody needs you strong. But life hits you out of nowhere and barely leaves you holding on. And when you're tired of fighting, chained by your control, there's freedom and surrender. Lay it down and let it go So when you're on your knees An answer seems so far away You're not alone Stop holding on and just be here Hey, how about that song? The, uh, that's a very good selection by Josh running the board here and uh, filling in for other people today. But I uh, appreciate that. So i got to take a quick phone call. If you'd like to call in, 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. And Jerry. Good morning, Professor Bullington. I hope all is well with you and your family. Yes, you, you should You should probably quit um, offending the professors out there, the real ones. <laughs> oh, come on. You're as, you're as smart as any of those eggheads. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's uh, a... Well, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, Bill, Bill, I would like to ask you, with the recent traumatic conclusion of our uh, 2020 elections, I was stunned I, I, to see that uh, when the Senate is going to go Democrat, uh, that the markets reacted in a positive uh, manner. Could you shed a little light on that for him, please? Well, Jerry, if you've watched elections throughout time, you would look mm-hmm. at it so much and you would say, this is totally unpredictable. <laughs> That's the conclusion that you would come up with. And everybody likes however, to try to find something. No, there's no however. I've already done the math. There's no... Well, I under, no. understood that, Bill, but today the Democrat Party is not certainly the party of JFK. Oh, you think Frank the Republican Party is? <laughs> of, of course not, but I think it's more free market-based. I don't want to show my obvious Okay, then here, and here's, the, I, I here's, the, here's the problem with that. Okay, we don't have, okay. Any, we don't have any data. 
We've never had these conditions before, so we don't have any data. We're in new territory, so your guess is as good as anybody's. Does that make sense? There's there's literally nothing to compare it to. Well, I I cannot envision how... I, I don't think her policies or her thoughts would come to fruition, or I hope to God they wouldn't, but how AOC could be a driving force for anything other than uh, a bear market, if, you know, if I, indeed I, her wishes would come true. So so do you remember when I, uh, this saying I made up a long time ago, anything can happen and probably will? <laughs> yes, I of course, Bill. <laughs> People think I'm uh, being facetious when I say that. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. Everything that has happened over the past few months should have led to lower stock prices if the traditional uh, measures or thought processes had been taking place. So what does that tell me? It tells me that things have changed. And how are we going to know how much they've changed? You won't know that until it's too late to do anything about it. So it's true. Yeah, so the bottom line is you need to... Look at your own situation. Try to figure out how much risk you're actually taking, how much risk you really want to take, and then if you need to make adjustments, you need to make the adjustments. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's pretty common sense after you've been doing it for a very long time and you give up on trying to forecast because forecasts are only there to make the fortune tellers look good. <laughs> sure, sure. But it's a... Uh, uh- if, if I were looking at this, when I see the government printing up a lot of money, they've printed up a lot of money in the past couple of years. In, sure. the, in the long run, that has had a tendency to be inflationary. And there's, there's a very good reason for that. There's a very sound reason. The more money is floating into the economy, the freer people are in spending it. And prices have the ability to go up. Yeah, Procter & Gamble will start raising the, the, the price on a box of Tide because they're Costs are going up, and they're going to raise prices to, to cover that to pre- protect their profit margin. Yeah. Hey, Bill, you're breaking up a little, but I would like to ask you, would, would not the um, monetary policies of the, uh, the vice uh, or the president-elect Biden would make it, wouldn't they be considered inflationary by printing more money? Not that the previous administration had done that much different, but I would think they would be considered more inflationary rather than less, and then perhaps the gold and commodity markets might rally. Oh, you, you might get that. Um, you're really breaking up on us, Jerry. You're, we're probably getting about every other syllable. Um, yeah. The uh, Sorry about that. So is it going to – if I understood the question right, is – are the current policies. And the thing that I really don't understand, I do understand. I know I know this is a conservative radio station and the money that's been spent over the past few months has not been conservative. That 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 goes way away from the actual conservatives. Um Herbert Hoover was a conservative. He said just prosperity is just right around the corner, don't do anything. And he prolonged and deepened a depression. So you know, when you're talking about economics, and there, there, there are two sides to this. First of all, there's the monetary side, and that's controlled by the Fed. And then you've got the uh, government spending on the other side. So you've got fiscal policy. And both of those things working together are what are, are going to have a large impact 
on inflation. Now, there are a bunch of other things that could have an impact on that, too. Those are not the two only, only ones. But trying to forecast this, this is my point. When you look at almost all these numbers, if it were really possible to forecast exactly what's going to happen, do you realize you could walk into an investment firm and tell them, look, I want the uh, portfolio that's going to make X percent when these conditions are present and just give me that. And there would be no occupation. <laughs> the business would shrink to nothing. If you could ac- accurately forecast what's going to happen, and that you know that's one of the things that you look at a, a product like a, a, a fixed indexed annuity. Now, the insurance companies are taking the long view on that. You know why? Because they probably will be here 100 years from now. They have changed names by then, but the they know that they have a much longer time horizon. And over really long time horizons, stocks have a tendency to do much, much better. So they can take a lot of that. They can calculate how much risk they want to take within reason. It's not an exact science, but you know, they, a good estimate is is better than a wild guess. And they uh, say, and they, this is what they do. This is what actuaries do. They're estimators. Estimate life expectancies, the the potential probability of of a certain event happening, how much they would have to charge to cover that. It it's a Great occupation. I think it's, you know, you got a kid that wants to, to go to school and study something that would be really interesting. I'm not sure he could get a job in it, but the, uh, cause they'll be able to program this, all this stuff, uh, if they haven't already. I, I, they do a lot. There's still humans involved, but bottom line is you take a look at what you think the, the highest probabilities are. Hopefully you're looking at data. Uh, most people are going from a feeling, uh, gut feel. They go by, Party lines, this has been the party line. I'm a conservative. I'm sticking to conservative. And, uh, you know, or I'm, you know, liberal. I'm sticking to liberal. Whatever. The, uh, in the United States, incidentally, I've talked about this a ton of times. This, we're the only country, one of the few countries in the world that teaches economics as a standalone science. And most of the people that are in the industry call it the dismal science because you've got so many things that are happening. And a lot of it is, you know, a lot of it gets handed down by political parties. So in other countries, they call it political economics. It's politics can have a, and do have huge influences over economies worldwide, not just ours. So, uh, anyway, that's getting really out there. (laughs) The, uh, the bottom line is in in America, you're running a portfolio. You're going to want to keep diversified and diversification it doesn't really feel good. It doesn't feel good when you're doing it. Why? Because if you're truly diversified, you are holding on to emerging markets and small cap stocks when they were widely, grossly underperforming large cap, large cap technology in particular. Why are you doing that? Because you can't predict when the, the market's going to swing back the other way and, and invest in those assets instead of the other ones. And they catch up or even pull ahead. You know, if you look at the last hundred years, small cap and inter- and emerging markets have done much better than large cap stocks. Much better. Are they going? Does that mean they're absolutely going to swing back now or keep on this current run? No, doesn't mean that. It's uh, but all other things being equal, the smarter thing to do 
is to try to keep, you know, really try to keep a diversified portfolio. Try to understand what you have. Okay. If you've got income needs that you need to be met, you're coming up on retirement. If you're within 10 years of retirement and you'd like to put away a certain amount of money so that you know you've got a, a certain base coming in, there are things that you can do to try and do that. We've been talking about fixed index annuities. I, well, my favorite one is actually from Nationwide, but the uh, uh, there are a lot of products out there. And that's a good solution to somebody who's looking for income. Income with growth. Well, my personal opinion on that is that you separate those two portfolios. You are at least partially. You lock away a certain percentage for income that you might need. And then you have some invested in diversified stock portfolios because you can adjust those for the non-essential needs. I think that's a good idea. I think it's a really good idea. Now, some people, incidentally, I mean, if 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 you've never spent more than $100,000 a year in your life and you've got $10 bucks, okay, probably why you have $10 million because you worked really hard, put all your money away. <laughs> Well, you would only have to have a 1% return to, to maintain that. So, again, everybody's different. Somebody's got that kind of money. Somebody who's got an awful lot of money in pensions, and it's more than they spend on a monthly basis anyway. Well, there are other options for you. So that may not be one of the best options for you. In fact, uh, this stuff changes so fast. I just... it. I struggle really to keep up. I, I have to I have to spend minimally uh, eight to ten hours a week just studying, just to keep up. Eight to ten hours. I thought school was going to be over thirty five, thirty six years ago. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> but anyway, there there are lots of options that are good options. You've got uh, income. You've got choices. Uh, with choices come some restrictions to get returns that are are five or six percent as an income. You're not going to get that without having to lock the money up. I'm going to tell you that right now. You just can't do it. If you want to get the highest incomes I've seen where you didn't have to lock the money up, but if the stock market went down, you probably wouldn't want to sell it because you would incur the losses anyway, right around uh, 35 to 4%, okay. which is still a lot higher than a CD, like a lot higher. And you have the opportunity to make money in the stock market and uh, if it goes higher than the 3 or 4% a year, they, these will adjust. Now, I'm talking about something that's relatively new. Uh, this one just came out I mean, just a few weeks ago. And uh, it's, a, it's another product. It's an annuity product, but it's an investment-only annuity. There's a big difference. Uh, investment-only annuities are exactly what it says. It's investment-only. The expenses are much, much lower there because what you're really getting is just tax deferral which is kind of a big deal, especially if you have a bunch of money in a brokerage account and you're on the, the edge of going into a, net, a higher tax bracket, uh, you might want to consider that because it's investment only. It's extremely inexpensive. And you've got Vanguard, Fidelity, T. Rope. There are hundreds of funds in this thing that you can invest in, kind of like a 401k, uh, except that you don't get a tax deduction when you put the money in. It just stays tax deferred. You can move it around without generating a 1099. So if you're getting close to retirement age and you've got a, a a fairly large brokerage account, something to take a look at. That's all I'm saying. Something to take a look at. If you're worried about having to pay, you know, taxes on your Social Security uh, in retirement, 
if you've got a lot of money in a taxable account, this is something that you might want to take a look at. So that's why I'll be studying for the uh, <laughs> remainder of my life, actually. That's one thing about uh, this business is, jeez, uh, yeah, you never get a break. I mean, you are constantly, things are always happening. And a lot of the products that are out here today, they didn't exist two or three years ago. And never mind 25 or 30 years ago. Yeah, nobody. In fact, if you had told people 25 or 30 years ago what would be around today, I think you'd have a hard time convincing anybody that things were actually going to change that much. <laughs> so uh, that's been interesting. You'd have, had a, you'd have had a really hard time convincing me as I sit here with my laptop in the radio station and I can scan every stock that trades on the New York Stock Exchange in less than five seconds. So I can't write the scan that fast, but the uh, the ones I've already written, five seconds. It's actually less than five seconds, more like two. So I would have said, yeah, right. You know, that ain't ever happening. <laughs> and here we are. By the way, the services that were kind of similar to that 25 years ago were several thousand dollars a year. That was 25 years ago, several thousand grand. You know how much this one costs? 50 bucks a month. <laughs> Talk about price compression. Holy cow. I would hate to be in that industry. <laughs> that would be horrible. But uh, anyway, the um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been great for people like me. Uh, it's really helped. I have a lot of confidence in the economy going forward, mainly because I have really good information that I really don't pay all that much for. And uh, even the... Uh, um, the data I get on, on all the publicly traded stocks and all the mutual funds out there, uh, it's not that expensive. I mean, relative to what it used to be. But I can also write it off. So anyway, I hear the music. That means I got to take a real quick commercial break and listen to Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Hey, you're listening to Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon on 1420 WHK. You can also find this on my website as a podcast, and that is BullingtonCapital.com. Uh, or you can go to The Fish's podcast, 955thefish.com, and there's a copy of the show there. So I'm going to take a quick phone call. If you'd like to call in, 216-901-0945, and I'm going right to Adam. Adam, you're on the Bullington Capital Report. Hey, good morning, Bill. Morning. Uh, I had a, I had a quick question about a stock that I've had for about a year and a half called B and G Foods. Okay. BGS, and I guess I'm trying to understand the risk behind having such a high yield because it yields about six or seven yeah. percent. And I get the feeling that it's almost too good to be true <laughs> because I've had it for so long, and I know that eventually it's you know it's gonna, you know that yield is not going to stay like that forever. Um, yeah, the, the stock actually in 2016 was $51 and 59 cents. Uh, 
So mm-hmm. it, it's down nearly half from there. Um, when I look at the price to sales ratio, that's my favorite ratio, by the way. Uh, there's a, there are a lot of reasons for that. One of these days, I keep threatening to do this, but I need to write a micro book to exp- <laughs> explain how to use that because it is the best tool that I know of to get a snapshot of what something should be. So the price to sales ratio on um, BG Food, B&G Foods is 0.92, okay? That's, just knowing that's not good. It, it's, not, it's not like a price to earnings ratio where low is good, high is better. Lower tends to be better, but low depends on what the average profit margins for that company are in the long run. That's why I need to write the micro book because that's only about a 30-page explanation on how to use this. It's not a 300-page. But uh, anyway, the price to sales ratio, 0.9. The long term or the profit margin last quarter on that, and I'm going to go ahead and look at profit margins going back a, a long time. So I see that they they vary from slight losses up to they had 24 percent in 2018. Looks like an average somewhere around somewhere around 10 percent. Number between eight and 10 percent seems to come up most often. Okay, and I, you know, a lot of people get really upset by this, especially engineers, because they like to be really exact. Well, welcome to the real world. <laughs> welcome to the world of stocks. Your profit margins are going to fluctuate depending on what happens in the economy, what happens at your company, new products that came out that didn't work, new products that came out that worked better than you thought they were going to. They, but so you get a, an average. And by the way, this average right around 10%, and that's good for that whole industry because I know a lot of their competitors as well. So normally I would put that at a, a price to sales ratio of about two. Okay. Why? Because 10% average profit margin is twice 5%, twice 5% to the long term. That's my bogey. And that's just Bill oh, Bullington. Okay. I just is so I'm looking at it right now. The profit margin last quarter was 9.44, so it's close. It's price to sales ratio is 0.9. So in other words, in 2016 when it was a lot higher than it is today, it was close to the fair value. And now it would look to be on a value-oriented basis. It looks like it's undervalued. It looks like it belongs in the low 50s. So uh, is that going to happen? No, especially not because I said so. That, you know, my luck is so bad, it's probably going to get shot down tomorrow <laughs> or <laughs> Monday. I won't call you the professor. <laughs> I won't call you the professor. Okay. But but anyway, so you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, you know, sure. is this a, a company that's going to be hurt by technology? I don't think so. They make snack foods. If anything, they're probably helped by technology. They get more efficient on their distribution. So, uh, but, you know, that's from, you know, from my lips to God's ears. The uh, Anyway, the dividend yield going forward, uh, that's not a bad dividend. Is it sustainable? Probably. I don't know. I'd have to look a little bit further into it, but it is a nice dividend. You know, 6.8 is pretty good, especially for a company that probably should be selling for twice what it's selling for. And by the way, if it were, the dividend yield would be closer to what would be normal. The dividend yield would go down. When the share so price. Two or 3%? Yeah. Yep. So. Okay. So I look at that and I go, yeah, I I like that. And by the way, I can tell you that that stock's in a lot of the uh, ETFs that I hold now. That's why I don't hold it individually because it's already in some of my uh, other funds. But but it it is a good idea. I mean, 
Yeah, because I was taking that versus Purple Innovation, which is another favorite. But Purple Innovation is just a little bit too volatile for me. That's because it doesn't have a whole lot of stock outstanding. Um, yeah. <laughs> the market cap on B&G Foods is $1.7 billion, which is still pretty small relative to all these other companies. Uh, by the way, Purple just passed that, actually, because the last week was pretty good. It's at $2.2 billion, So, But it has a much smaller uh it's actually let's see here the price of sales ratio on it's actually getting a little little bit high but uh not too high and uh anyway so i hope that helps okay well, i'm excited about both companies i mean they're both great companies but i mean i always want to sell too soon and i remember what you've been telling me i mean i just i just don't believe in trying to hold out for the absolute top right no one's going to guess that. right yeah only okay. uh, two people get the the two types of people get the tops the lucky and the liars <laughs> 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 well thanks for taking my call Bill. Uh-huh. you have a great year looking forward to listening to a lot more of you oh thanks i appreciate it have a good weekend you too all right bye yeah and i got terry you have a question or a comment yes hi uh my name is terry and uh kind of a new listener uh, to you okay and i did have a question about uh holding uh you know precious metals in uh in your portfolio i'm retired i'm 72 i've probably got maybe like one Point two million in you know in, in my investments right now. Right. Uh, some stocks, some mostly mutual funds. Mm-hmm. And last I mean, last year, I was able to get into the gold market when it was still around um, twelve, eleven hundred. So I was wondering what your opinion is, and you know, continuing to uh, invest in that, and maybe you know, do something. It's mostly it's right. It's all gold right now, but maybe it's something like silver that has more of a potential to rise yeah you know what uh read what warren buffett has to say about gold Uh um he doesn't own any (laughs) no and you know what actually because of some of the indexes that i invest in there there are gold stocks in them um, Uh just to achieve that diversification level and that's kind of the only way i would do that okay gold was about 800 dollars an ounce when i was 16 you know how old i am now (laughs) <laughs> I can guess. Take a guess. Probably still pretty young. 50. 57. Right. Okay. So you go 40 years. What is gold's price? Uh, it's around 19 now, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm talking, yeah, yeah. yeah. This, so, was not, this was more of a, you know, something <laughs> was getting ready to take off. You know, I don't know how long it took. Well, that, that's a thing you can't really tell. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's just so hard to predict and anybody gets right. that right and i have people who are that follow this market really 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 well yeah. now if i were going to invest in it i would do what they're doing okay mm-hmm. i just think it's a, a kind of a, a long run for a short yeah. slide um yeah. if you have some knowledge of the industry if you know people that work in the industry then you might have a little bit of a jump but uh-huh. the uh well, man it's just it's tough yeah. that well, is really tough more of a more of a hedge on what was going on with the uh, with the dollar, and it is in it is in uh, a bullion. It's not in a. It's being held in an IRA, but it is yeah. a bullion. It's mm-hmm. not a. It's not a, a, a stock. Right. Um, and I do. I have the ability to pull out. You know, hand physical gold <laughs> yeah. in, my, in my safety deposit box or whatever. Yeah. If I need it, <laughs> but I don't know. You know. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure if it's a. I'm not, not again for not a long term strategy, but something that. You well, know, I would tell you that less than less than one percent of my portfolio is in gold stocks and no okay. gold but whatsoever. You, so you do have a little bit, but not you know. Like, I, I think I have one um, one dollar. <laughs> uh, it was actually a, it, it's had a president on it. I, I found it in my drawer the other day, going through it. It's still in the drawer. I just it, I just laughed about it and 
throwback. But yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I'm not a big gold fan, you know, holding and, you know personal gold. So yeah, but. yeah, and and a lot of people aren't. And I just uh, yeah. wanted your uh, opinion on that. Could I ask you one more question? Sure. About, uh, first yeah. Energy stocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've kind of I used to work for First Energy, mm-hmm. and uh, they've kind of fluctuated quite a bit over the over the years. I think I'm not sure whether I think last time I bought was down about twenty nine, but they still have a good return, you know, a good payout. Is it a time to like buy something like that, or is it? Uh, well, let's see. Really They've got a dividend yield. It's got a price. My favorite ratio is the price of sales ratio. And uh, let's see, theirs is one point four. Um, that's not bad. That's uh-huh. that's not bad. It's not like super cheap, but uh, given the industry they're in, that's not bad. Okay. So I wouldn't, you know, if if you already have it, I, I probably wouldn't. Uh, sell it unless it was more than five percent of my total portfolio. I would bring it. Yeah. I'd try to keep it to five percent or less. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, thank, thank you. you for your time. All right. Thank you. I'll continue to listen. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye. Brian, you got two minutes. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, hey, Bill. No problem. Hey, I just we were talking about value stocks a little bit earlier. Um, how how is Discover uh, in your mind now? Is it getting towards full valuation or not yet? Um, let's see. Price to sales it's ratio. Like it's at a multi-year high right yeah. now, so I just didn't want to hold it too long. Hang on a second. I got to pull it up. By the way, this is not advice for anybody. We're actually not allowed to do that, uh, to give out specific, oh. uh, recommendations. So, so what I told the yeah, other guy was an example that, of how you know when to sell a value stock. Yeah. Well, it depends. Uh, some, like if you're a value stock, a steel maker who's undervalued is going to have a valuation that's a fraction of a food maker. You know why? Cyclical. That's part of it, but also the price, uh, the 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 cost of making steel is much much higher than the cost of making food, and food has much higher profit margins because of that. So you're you're going to pay oh, okay. more for that. So anyway. Um, 2.6 is the current price to sales ratio. That's okay. The long-term average is three. So, okay. and, you know, if it ran up a lot higher than what it is now, I'd probably bolt. But the, uh, um, and it was, uh, interesting. Uh, it was a couple of years ago that I bought it and then it came back down less than half of what I had paid for it a couple of years ago. And so I bought some more of it and now it's, you know, it's actually at an all-time new high. So. But, um, yeah, I I know what you're saying. I I did what you did, but not through the success. I mean, I'm I'm doing pretty good now on it, but not. Yeah. I know you're doing a lot better. But it's so it's and then and then that's fine. I mean, it wouldn't. Uh, um, you know, I I did not hit that perfectly. But at a price of sales rate two point six, at when it gets to it gets a little over three, I'll probably reduce it down to uh, a smaller size. But I'll I'll still oh, keep okay. it. That makes sense. All right. Well, awesome. hey, I hear the music. Yeah, I got to run. You've been listening to Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. Have a good week, everybody. Good luck and good investing. You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report. Broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. 
The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC.